Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. I, I, I really want to just uh, share a thought with you that, that I, I hope will encourage you just in, in your journey. And I'm not, I'm not here to, to present anything new to you. I'll just tell you up front. I'm not, I'm not here to, to give you anything new because I know you have, a, you have a good pastor who teaches you truth. And, but I just want to come alongside and maybe, maybe just encourage you in something you already know. Uh, it's important that we hear some things over and over. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says, don't get tired of my repetition because it's for your safety. And so we, we have to hear things over and over and over. And this is one of those things that I want to just, that I want to share with you that, that I, I, I hope will encourage you in what you're already doing. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, whether it's paper or digital. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's page 1,102 in my Bible, if that helps you <laughs> kind of get there. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, I, I'm reading from the New King James Bible. Hmm? Uh, I was told that's what Jesus used, so that's why I'm using it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Verse 24 is where we're going to start. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let's pray quickly. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day, for this moment. Lord, we have made an appointment with you, and we believe that you have made an appointment with us. And so we ask you, Lord, to speak to us. We open our heart as good ground today, according to Mark chapter 4, that says, when the seed of your word is sown on good soil, it will produce a good harvest. Lord, I thank you that as we hear your word today, it will be like seed sown into good soil. And will produce a good harvest in our life, a harvest of joy, a harvest of peace, a harvest of hope, a harvest of victory, a harvest of faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we place you as Lord over this time. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lead and guide us to truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, you are looking good today. If you don't know them, don't touch them. That's weird. Just, just say it. Just say something nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's always good to encourage. Yeah. yeah, and even if they're not that good looking, we believe in the act of faith that calls those things to be not as though they were. Right? You're helping your neighbor. You're helping your neighbor. Uh, the Apostle Paul... Give some, give some instructions here. And he says something in this verse 24 that I think is important. He says, run the race as if you're trying to win it. Now, let me, let me say this. Maybe you heard this growing up. I heard this growing up. Maybe you said it. And I hope maybe from here on out, you won't say it anymore. And that is this. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. But it's how you play the game. Nonsense. It matters whether you win. 
How many of you in here have ever lost? I know it's me. I've never lost. I've never lost. And after that loss thought, well, at least I kept a good attitude. (laughs) Makes me feel so good about myself. No, it's awful. And the apostle Paul says, run the race of life like you're trying to win it. Not like you're just trying to keep a good attitude in the process, but you're trying to win. We're here to win. Amen. Amen. We are winners. We're designed for it. We're designed to win. But the Apostle Paul gives some instructions here, and he uses the example of running a race. Now, I don't like, I don't like this. I don't like this because I hate to run. Are there any runners? Anybody in here? Yeah. My wife's a runner. I just don't get it. I, don't, I, I just don't, I don't understand running. I don't even see the point of it. It's like, it's like especially treadmill runners. It's like you are... Nobody's chasing you and you're going nowhere. Like, what's the fun in that? Um, but the Apostle Paul uses this example and he helps us and he, and he gives us some things here to think about as we're running the race of life. There are a couple, two things. I, got, I actually have three points that I want to make today before we're finished. Two of them come from this passage and the third one I just made up. So we're, we're just, I can show you some scripture that I think support it, uh, but, but it's, it's, important, it's important that you take notes. Actually, you know what? No, don't take I just felt convicted because I don't take notes. So don't take notes. You ever feel convicted and it's like, I need to change that, but then I'd rather just not do it at all and then just act like I didn't. Um, So I got three things. And first thing is found in verse 26. The apostle Paul says that if you're going to run the race, here's what he says. Therefore, I run. I want to talk to you about winning the race of life. And if you're going to win, first thing you got to do is you actually have to run. You got to put one foot in front of the other. You have to take some steps. You can't just sit back and think that God's just going to do everything. He's not going to do everything. Because the truth is, he already did everything at the cross. So now we run the race. The vast majority of your Christian life is not miracle to miracle to miracle. The vast majority of your miracle life is just taking God's word and walking it out day after day after day. So we run. We run the race. As I said, I don't like to run. I don't like to run. I, I don't even... I don't even when I was in, I was raised here in San Angelo. I live now south of Austin in a town called Kyle. But I was raised in San Angelo, moved here when I was 10 years old. I left when I was 21. I told the first service I got out early for good behavior. But I, I, we, moved, we moved away from San Angelo. No, I'm just kidding. I really do like this town. I like this town a lot. And I owe this town a lot, especially the people in this town. Some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life are in this town. And, uh, but when I went to a small Christian school here and small Christian school had tight budgets, which meant that, um, not only did we have tight budgets, but we had a small number of people. So if we were going to have sports, it required all of the boys to participate in order for us to have a team. And I wanted to play basketball. So in order for us to have a basketball team, we had to have all the boys participate in order to have a basketball team. But what that also meant was when it came to track season, I had to pay my dues and be a part of the team and run track. And because of limited budget, we didn't have a real coach. We had, we had volunteer dad coach, volunteer dad coach. And he was our, he was our track coach. And I, I think he just got picked because he had the time because, well, he, he, just, didn't, he just didn't look like he would be a track coach. He, he, he wasn't in shape. 
He, he was a shape, he just wasn't in shape. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> not the ideal picture of a track runner, but he was volunteer dad. And so he decides to give me the worst race in track and field. The worst race. And which, the worst race is the 400 meters, if you don't know that. It's 400 meters because it's not a, it's not a sprint and it's not a distance, it's both. <laughs> and you have to figure out when to pace yourself and when to run with everything that you've got. So it's miserable. And nobody else on the track team wanted that one. And because I'm this guy who's just on the team just so that we can have a team, I got stuck with that race. And so we go, but I didn't know I was going to run that race until we're on our way to our first track meet. As a small school, we didn't even have a track. We just had a little dirt path behind the, the school that we ran, and it wasn't even full 400 meters. So no way was I prepared for it. And so we get there to the track meet, and the coach tells me, okay, this is your race. He has to walk me onto the track to show me where to go. So I walk onto the track, and I'm looking around, and these guys are out there. They got these nice shoes with spikes. I'm wearing my British night basketball shoes. How many remember the BKs? I'm wearing my BKs, my black and white BKs, and they're heavy. And these guys are out there. I'm like... Oh, shoot, this is going to be bad. And, and I think the coach could see the panic on my face, and he's yelling at me, Brandon, just pay attention to me. Don't pay attention to them. Pay attention to me. And he's, he's inside in, in the grass in the inside of the track. He's telling him, just watch me. I'm like, just watch you as soon as I take off. You're, you're, the, you're still here. <laughs> he said, just watch me. Don't worry about it. Just watch me. They're going to fire the gun, and when they say go, you go. I was like, okay. I look around. They're all down in their blocks, and I'm just like, <sighs> <laughs> Uh, okay, and so they fire the gun, and we take off. And, I, and I'm thinking, it's a race. you got to run as fast as you can. So I take off running as fast as I can, and I hear my coach saying, slow down, slow down. And I look, and he's running inside the track. He's running, he's running in the grass next to me. And he's like, slow down, slow down. And now I'm worried. Because <laughs> he should not be running. He says, just slow down and I'll tell you what to do. And so I'm running. We, we, we pass 100 meters and now we're, now we're headed into the, the next 100 meters and he's still running next to me. I'm like, oh man, this is, I'm going to get in trouble. This guy's going to die. <laughs> well, we get to the, the, to the final 200 meters and he says, pick up speed. I'll meet you over at the final 100 meters. And so I pick up speed and I come around the last curve and we're coming into the final 100 meters and there he is waiting for me. And he's like, now run as fast as you can. I start running as fast as I can. I look over and he's beating me. <laughs> like, no, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. I may lose to everybody else, but I'm not losing to coach dad. <laughs> so I run as fast fast as I can. And, and, I, and I, ended up, I ended up winning my heat. I didn't, I didn't win that day I, as far as like the champion guy. I, that was somebody else. But I, I won my heat and I was so, so glad. But when I crossed the finish line, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to throw up. And I look over and coach is in the grass throwing up. <laughs> 
But in Hebrews chapter 12, there's another passage where the, the Bible gives us the, the analogy or the, the, the illustration of life being like a race. And here's what it says. It says, look at Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you're running the race, you may not know exactly how you're supposed to run, but the Bible says that Jesus is going to be there with you. He's going to be giving you instructions. He's going to be helping you. He's going to be cheering you on. He's, going to, he's there running with you saying, keep looking at me. It's going to be okay. So we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. As a matter of fact, verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 12 says, as soon as you take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to get weary and discouraged. So don't do that. You just keep looking at Jesus. So that's the first thing. We've got to run. The second thing that he says in verse 26 is we've got to fight. Now, our Christian life, the fight of the Christian life is most of the time not fists. Our fight in Christianity, the Bible describes it as the fight of faith. But that fight most often for us shows up in the form of discipline. The Apostle Paul mentions this here. I discipline myself. The fight shows up in the form of faithfulness and commitment. The fight shows up when we maintain joy by all the while while we're doing the same thing over and over and over. We just keep joy. Because those things, that's a fight. It's hard to do that. But, but commitment is important. Faithfulness is important. There's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people that would rather just be involved versus being committed. They're, they're just involved. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah me, and, me and her, we're just involved. Okay, okay but, but you need to be committed if you're going to have a long-term relationship. You, you can hear when people are involved in church versus being committed in church because involved people say, that's the church that I go to. But committed people say, that's my church. Yes. I, I'll give you an example or an illustration of involvement versus commitment, and I think you'll never forget the difference. Okay, it, let's, let's say that when you got up this morning before you came to church, you wanted to eat breakfast. So you got a couple of eggs, and you cracked a couple of eggs, and you, you got you some eggs, and then you, you got a couple of strips of bacon because everybody knows the day's better with bacon. Bacon just makes everything better. And so you get, you get you a couple eggs and you get you some bacon. And you enjoy your breakfast. How many of you would agree the chickens were involved in your breakfast? But the pig was committed. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, in, in order for your marriage to make it, it requires commitment, not involvement. You gotta, you gotta be committed to your spouse. You gotta be committed to your kids. You gotta be committed to your job. You gotta be committed to your church. Amen. Amen. But that takes fight. It takes, it takes an effort. You're putting something forward, some effort into this to, to fight to win. Now, there is one aspect of this journey that is gonna sound a little bit contrary to what we're talking about because we're talking about running. But in the flow of life, oftentimes there is this ebb and flow where it feels like we're going full speed and then sometimes it feels like we're at an absolute standstill. And, and so if that's you today, I want to talk to you for just a minute because I'm here telling you, run, run, and you're like, I don't have anywhere to go. How am I supposed to run? What, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to move when nothing else in my life is moving? There is a photograph that hangs in the Bavarian National Museum in Munich, Germany. It's titled, 
Paris Boulevard from 1819. It's actually not technically a photograph. It is a, an image that um, was made by a man by the name of Louis Daguerre, who is considered the inventor of what we know as modern-day photography. And so the, the picture is technically called a daguerreotype, named after him. And so there's this picture that hangs in the museum, and it's, it's a black and white image. It's taken from on top of another, of the, the highest building there, looking down onto the street, and you can see other buildings around. And for as old of a picture as it is in the black and white, it really is amazing the details that you can see in it. You can see the pleats in the curtains of the buildings. You can see the outlines of the bricks. You can tell the definition of the leaves of the trees and the shadows the way they are on the ground. Uh, and instead of letting, making you try to visualize that, we actually have the picture, if you could put that picture up. So here, here it is. Here, here's the picture. Um, while, you, while you can't, maybe from where you are, see the pleats, if you were up close, you could see there's, there's a lot of definition in something so old. You, you might imagine it to be a little blurrier, but it's really well defined. But this picture doesn't hang in the Bavarian National Museum because it was... Louis Daguerre's. It doesn't hang there because it's called a daguerreotype. It doesn't hang there because of the pleats of the curtains or the outlines of the bricks or the shadows of the trees. It hangs in this national museum for one reason. That guy right there. You see him? He's standing like this. He has his foot up on a boot box having his boot shined. Now, the reason why this is important is because this technically is considered the first human ever photographed. If you took out your phone and just Googled the first human photographed, this picture would show up. Don't do it right now. Pay attention. Now, if you look at the shadows of the trees, what you would see is, this is the middle of the day. So you'd think Paris Boulevard, there's horses and carriages and kids and dogs and movement all around, but there stands that one guy. Well, the truth is, there are carriages everywhere and horses everywhere and dogs and kids running everywhere on that street. But in early photography with the early daguerreotypes, the shutter speed of the camera was so slow that the only way it could capture an image is if it was standing still. This man, nobody knows his name, goes down in history as the first human ever photographed simply because he happened to be the only guy that wasn't moving. He was standing still. And you may feel like in the stillness, it's easy to get frustrated and, and discouraged in that stillness because you feel like you got to be moving. Opportunities are passing me by. Moments are passing me by. Time is passing me by. And I'm running out of opportunities. I'm running out. Other people are getting their opportunities, but why am I standing still? You may think something's wrong. You may think God's overlooked you. You may think that, 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 that you don't have any opportunities like your friends. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. I just want to say this to you. You may think that you're just standing still doing nothing, but you might actually be making history because the Bible says that God is working all things together for your good. That means, that means just because you're sitting still doesn't mean God's sitting still. 
He is moving things for you. And maybe stillness is exactly what needs to happen in this flow of your life. If you think about a marching band, anybody been in marching band? Uh, nerds. Okay. So no, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I don't I mean, all my kids are marching band. Okay. So, but if you, if you had a, if you had a line, if you had a, if you had a line in the marching band and they needed to make a turn, what you would find is there's a person here called the pivot and they're marching, you know, they're, they're, they're blowing their trumpet and they're marching and they're, they're turning. They're not going anywhere, but they're, but they're, but they're marching and then, and they're, and they're turning and, and but they can't go anywhere because the, the whole line needs them to do their part. But the person that's out here, man, they're running as hard as they can just to keep the line straight. And what you need to know is that your stillness may actually be helping set someone else up for their destiny. We're a part of a grand scheme here called the plan of God. If you're here, maybe you're just here. I say just stay there. Just keep doing your part. Keep doing what you know to do. Keep showing up. Keep turning up at church. Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep being a blessing to the people around you. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Do what you know to do. If you don't know anything else to do, just keep doing what you know to do. And enjoy it. Here's why. Because not many days from now, you're going to be this person. And you're going to be wishing you were on the pivot. (laughs) Because it's how... Life goes, it flows, it ebbs and flows in this run that we're in, this race that we're in. Yeah, you're, you're running, but I just want to encourage you, even if you feel like you're still, commit to the inside, of, inside your spirit, inside your soul. Say, no, I'm a runner and I'm, and I'm doing it. Even though it doesn't look like I'm moving, I'm moving because I'm still doing what God told me to do today. Yes? Okay, the final thing, the final thing, and then, and then we'll start wrapping this up. Final thing is, is again, it's not in this passage, but it is in Hebrews chapter 12, I believe, where the other example is used for running. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse, verse one and two. In verse two, so since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And this is the verse I quoted to you earlier, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But it says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. If you had a, the New Testament was written in Greek. So if you had a Greek dictionary, what you would find is that the word ensnare means to cause to stumble. And there are times where we're in this race and we're giving him everything that we've got, but then out of nowhere, a circumstance changes, a tragedy happens, a loss, a a, a sorrow, a pain, a hurt. Something intervenes in that journey and we trip and we fall. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says this, though the righteous man falls seven times, he gets up again. That means that the end of your story is not failure. The end of your story is not the falling. The end of your story is the getting up. And if you are today falling down and you don't know how to get up, listen, God's going to help you. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He is your stand up. He is your recovery. He'll step into your life and help pick you up and get you back on your feet. But just know this, you're not at the end. If you have fallen and you can't get up, this is not the end of your story. You are going to get up. My kids go to a school uh, in a town called Wimberley. And Wimberley is just about 30 minutes from us. And, and our kids go to school, school there. We're the Wimberley Texans. And, and we have rivals. Anybody have, you know, you have rivals, right? We, had, we have a rival. And one of our, one of our big rivals is, is from a town called Cuero. 
And, and I told this story in the first service and a lady caught me in the foyer and told me she was from Quero. And then I felt bad, kind of, but not really. Uh, so, but they're the, they're the Quero gobblers. We're the Wimberley Texans. They're the Quero gobblers. Like, who wants to be a gobbler? <laughs> I have a pastor friend that drives past my church and he pastors in Quero and he'll send me a picture of my church. Just past your church. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm like, I ain't praying for you, Quero. <laughs> We don't like them, okay? Hate's probably the best word. I don't know. I, I, I probably should soften that. But when it comes to football, it's hate, right? The Christian hat comes off and we hate. Well, we're, we found ourselves in the playoffs a few years ago and we were having to face the Quero Gobblers. Wimberley Texans fighting, playing against the Quero Gobblers. And Quero was ranked fifth in the state. And Wimberley was ranked 25th in the state. Uh, the, the odds were not in our favor, but we were going to give it everything we got. And, uh, and, and so, uh, spoiler alert, we won. Okay. I, I'm telling you that now because that's not the point of the story. And if I don't tell you now, I'll forget, but we won. Okay. We won. Nanny, nanny, we won. <laughs> we beat Quero. Now we lost the next game in the playoffs. We lost in the next game, but it didn't matter. We beat Quero. We didn't care. That was our Super Bowl. <laughs> but in the, there was a moment in the game where, where one of the Wimberley Texans got hurt. And he got hit hard, one of those really loud collisions. And he's laying on his back. He's out on the field and he's not moving. He's not twitching a finger, not a, not a foot. I mean, he's not moving. Scary. I can't even imagine as a parent what that feels like. This kid's not moving. And, and the trainers rush out. And as is customary in Texas high school football, everybody on the field takes a knee. And then everybody in the stand goes quiet. Now this, we're in a neutral field because it's the playoffs. We're in a neutral field in a much bigger school. And there's thousands of people there and it is silent. Nobody's talking. And I think everybody, like me, was under their breath going, come, come on, boy, just wiggle a finger. Just move a foot, something. And it's still. And everybody's just watching and waiting. And then all of a sudden, from the other side of the field, and the stands on the other side, I don't know. I don't know who it was. It was a lady. Could have been his mom. I don't know. But there was a lady on the other side of the field in the stands they began to call out to him. And she said this, come on, baby, get up. Come on, sweetheart. Get up. We believe in you. And we know you're going to make it. Come on, baby, get up. And after a little bit, his foot started twitching, his hand started moving. They got him up on his feet. They were walking him off, assisting him off. But before he got to the sideline, he had shaken those guys off and was sprinting off the field. And the whole stadium just erupted in cheers and screaming. And it reminded me of Hebrews chapter 12. It says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and this cloud of witnesses, it's observing our life. They're not there as judges of our life. They're there as encouragers. They're there as cheerleaders. They're there as fans to tell us that every time we fall down, there are voices in the crowd of heaven that are saying, come on, baby, get up. 
You may feel like you're drowning, but there's a voice attached to a man named Noah and says, oh, I know what that feels like, but I made it through that and God brought me through and he'll bring you through too. Maybe you feel like you've been betrayed and the people closest to you have turned their back on you and walked out on you. There is a voice attached to a man named Joseph who says, I fully understand that, but I made it out on the other side and if I made it out on the other side, you're gonna make it out on the other side as well. But there is a voice that supersedes them all. This voice belongs to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords who suffered, the Bible says, just like we have suffered, but yet he did it uncontaminated and without sin. And he calls out saying, I defeated death itself and I am on your side and you can and you will get up. Listen, don't surrender to failure. Don't surrender to the fall. Get back up. It's a cloud of witnesses. There's most likely people you love in that cloud of witnesses now. My dad's there. The cloud of witnesses saying you can make it too. Would you bow your heads for just a moment, please? Father, I pray for your people today. These beautiful church people, I lift them up to you. And I pray, Father, maybe there's some, maybe there's some here today, Lord, that have fallen. Maybe they're in that place and they just haven't had the strength to get up. Maybe life has taken a really hard, hard blow against them. Maybe they've been treated unfairly, unjustly. Something unrighteous has happened. Maybe, maybe they're in that state because of their own decisions. Lord, I know that you're greater than every one of those things. You're stronger. You are the resurrection. You are the life. And I'm asking you to be the Lord that we know you to be. The Lord who steps in and recovers. The Lord who steps in and heals. The Lord who picks up. The Lord who grants grace and mercy. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be Lord in every situation. Or maybe there are some here today that they're just in the, they're just in the, they're in the fight and they're continuing to do the same thing. Lord, I just ask that by your presence, you would reveal yourself to them and let them know you're ever close. You're not distant, but you're close. They're running. Lord, there are some in here, they're running. They're, do, they're doing everything they know to do. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, for strength. I ask you for courage. I ask you for faith. I ask you for hope. I ask you for joy for their journey, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I know that you're able and you're capable and you're willing and you are present with each and every one. In Jesus' name. In this still moment, I just want to take a second here and just ask, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you've never prayed a prayer that sounded something like, God, would you come into my life? Then I want to give you the opportunity to do that. The Bible says that there's one thing that's required for that to happen. For God to come into your life, there's one thing that is required and that is faith. Jesus says it this way in John chapter three, whoever would believe in him would receive the gift of eternal life. The apostle Peter says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, whoever will believe in the Lord Jesus will receive the remission and forgiveness of all their sins. The apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10 says, whoever will believe in Jesus Christ would be made right with God. So if that's you, you say, I, I'm not right with God and I need to be right with God or I need my sins forgiven and I want the gift of eternal life. And I want you to pray with me a prayer. 
a prayer of invitation, a prayer of declaration. Now I will say to you, there's nothing really special about the prayer. The power of salvation is found in faith. But the prayer is important. It's important that we make a declaration of faith. And one of the reasons why I want to do this is because if you've never had a relationship with God, maybe you don't know how to talk to him. And so I want to help give you some guidance that I hope is the beginning of a conversation between you and God that will continue long after you leave this place. God wants to know you and he wants you to know him. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.